same, those same souls Putting me behind the misery It's all for me Been holding on for too long But now I've got nothing to hold on Hello, I'm Joe Collins. Welcome to See Me Church. Our mission is to love God and neighbor one household at a time. We are ordinary people who believe in the extraordinary message of Jesus Christ. So no matter who you are or what your story, we're glad you're here. Today we're in a series called One-on-One -on -One with Jesus. The idea is to take a deeper look at the individual interactions Jesus had with various people. Last week, we examined a one-on-one -on -one between Jesus and a woman named Martha, and we learned that it's never a good idea to put God on the clock or to judge someone by your first impression. Today, I want to talk about Martha's sister Mary and take a look at a one-on-one -on -one that took place not long after Jesus' encounter with Martha. As always, the goal is to draw out something relevant to our faith and life for today. So have you ever played the game charades? I'm sure you have. It's a game where you're not allowed to talk, but you have to act out physically what you want to say. You know, if you think about it, charade teaches you that your actions can speak just as loudly and sometimes even louder than your words. As we look at this one-on-one -on -one between Jesus and Mary, that was completely non-verbal. It's Mary speaking with her actions. And while no words were exchanged, what she says comes across loud and clear. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I thank you for this time to come together as a church family. And even though we're not in each other's presence, we know we're in your presence. And God, that's really all that matters. Help us to uh, learn something new today, to be inspired by what we see in your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. John chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, if it seems like we've talked about this one-on-one -on -one before, that's because we have. It was actually the primary tux of a one-on-one -on -one we did back in April. At that time, we focused on a conversation that occurred between Jesus and Judas Iscariot over Judas's reaction to Mary's wasteful use of such expensive perfume. This time, however, I want to focus on the conversation that takes place between Jesus and Mary. And while no actual words are exchanged between the two of them, there's still a lot that was said. And to properly understand why Mary anointed uh, Jesus' feet with her most valuable possession and wiped them clean with her hair, we're gonna need to take a look at Luke chapter 10, just like we did last week. And this time, we need to see what we can learn about Jesus' relationship, not with Martha, but Mary. Now, before I do that, I wanna point out something about God's word. You know, the Bible is unlike any other document in existence. No matter how many times you may have read the same story or passage, it never returns empty. And it always has something relevant to say to you. The prophet Isaiah said, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to, out, and return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. 
You know, even in the enlightened times that we live, the Bible really is still the best source of truth in our world today. And I can't stress enough how important it is for every believer to take the time to invest in it, to learn it, and to understand it. I want to make a shout out to Clay Taylor. He's a brother in our church who has started what's called a Bema Discipleship Group. Now, Bema is a podcast geared towards a greater, a gre- geared towards a deeper understanding of God's Word. And what Clay does in his group is each week they listen to, to that week's episode of the Bema podcast. And then on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. on Zoom, they meet to talk about it. Now, Clay wants me to let you know that anyone is welcome to join this discipleship group, especially if you want to get deeper into God's Word. Now, if you want to know more, you can check them out at Facebook. I've included their link in the description below. Now, let's turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So we've already learned that this wasn't Martha's finest hour, but it was one of Mary's. And I say one because in all the, in, in all the accounts of Mary in Scripture, she always seems to have this innate ability to choose what's better when it comes to Jesus. In this case, there was a lot of things that Martha thought needed to happen to prepare the house for Jesus' arrival. And Mary was neglecting all of them. Now, while Martha wanted to scold her, Jesus wouldn't do it. And in verses 41 and 2, he said the now famous words, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. You know, Jesus wasn't all that concerned about the condition of Martha's house, but he was concerned about the condition of Martha's heart. And he could see that unlike Mary, Martha had a harder time separating her performance, how her house looked, how she presented herself from his presence. You know, I appreciate Mary so much because I, like Martha, have a hard time separating how I see myself and feel about myself from how Jesus might see me and feel about me. When I look at myself, I see all my flaws, all my mistakes, and I think that's all that Jesus sees. But the reality is he sees so much more than that. He also sees my heart, my intentions, my motivations, my attempts at righteousness, and my occasional successes. But you know the funny thing is, nothing I do, for better or worse, changes the fact that when Jesus shows up at my door, all he really wants from me is my attention. So it doesn't really matter how I present myself. What matters is his presence in my life. You know, I have a friend named Abe. He lived a rough life. He was a drug addict. He got arrested. He got thrown in jail for a time. He eventually got out. He got clean. He found a a local church and got baptized. But you know, after a while, he didn't fit in at that church. And so he left, he relapsed. And after a a period of wandering, he eventually found another church. And it was there that he got sober. And that church really made him feel like one of them, like he could belong there. They eventually helped him start a program to help ex-cons reintegrate into society. And today, Abe is doing fantastic. And he's helping people. 
You know, one of the things, you know, when Jesus first came to his, into his life, Abe's house was not in order. But through the mess, Abe somehow found a way, like Mary did, to remain in the presence of Jesus, to never let him go out of his life. And you know, it ultimately changed his life. You know, I want Simi Church to be a place where people like Abe and others can belong. But we're going to have to be the kind of people that are going to make a place for people like Abe. And we're going to have to be with them through the ups and downs and through all the messes and always help them and redirect them back to what matters the most. And that is Jesus' presence in our lives. Now I want to fast forward to where we left off last week and the events that led up to the one-on-one -on -one between Jesus and Mary that I'm so excited to share with you today. Let's turn to John chapter 11, verse 27. Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they, found, uh, they, fa they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. So we learned in last week's lesson that Martha and Mary, that Lazarus had gotten sick and his two sisters sent a letter to Jesus, hoping he could come and help. Unfortunately, Jesus was unable to, and Lazarus died. And it wasn't until four days later that Jesus appeared at the, on, the, on the outskirts of Bethany. Now Martha, who really had learned the value of Jesus' presence in her life, was the first one to run out and greet him, even before he entered the city. And, and it was there that she reaffirmed her faith in him. Now afterwards, she returned home and she told her sister Mary that Jesus had come, and Mary got up and went out to greet him. Verse 33 says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Now Mary and those with her who were mourning the loss of Lazarus, as they went out to greet Jesus, Jesus could see the pain and the suffering on their face, and he was moved to tears. But you know, I don't think Jesus was only moved for tears because he was feeling empathy towards Mary and the others. I think he was moved to tears because Lazarus was his friend too. Now I've mentioned this last week and I've mentioned it many times before, but I want to remind you that there really was a special connection between Jesus, Lazarus, and Martha and Mary. It was genuine and it was as real as any relationship you or, my, uh, you or I might have today. It had been built over many years of experience with each other, and it probably dated back to even when they were kids. I mean, throughout Jesus' life, from the time, uh, you know, uh, for, uh, for every year, three times a year, his family would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate the holidays. And their favorite place to stay was not a hotel on a beach or a timeshare, a two-bedroom timeshare with a full kitchen and a couple of lockouts. His, their favorite place to stay was at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. You know, one of my family's favorite TV shows is called Psych. It's a comedy about two friends who start a psychic detective business. And one of the ongoing jokes in the series is that Gus, the main character's best friend, is a sympathetic crier. 
And every time someone cries on an episode, you see Gus in the background crying, and it's quite funny. You know, Jesus was anything but a sympathetic crier. There was a lot of love between him, Lazarus, and the two sisters. And I believe he genuinely felt sad and sorrow at Lazarus' death and, and sorrow for the, the pain and the suffering of the two sisters. You know, Teddy Roosevelt once said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. If we want Simi Church to be a place where people can belong, then we're going to have to be a place that cares about people. Who are you praying for right now? Who are you investing in? Who are you welcoming into your life? And who are you bringing Jesus to right now? Verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been in there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. You know, when my dad died, I cried like I've never cried before. And a few days later, when he was buried, I cried again. There was just something about the finality of seeing his casket being laid in the ground and knowing that his body was inside and that I would never see him again that brought me to tears. So I think I can understand why when Jesus saw Lazarus's tomb, he too was moved to tears for a second time. Now he orders that the tomb be opened, that the stone be removed, but Martha is, a, uh, is concerned because Lazarus had been in there for four days and there would be a, his body was decomposing and there would be quite, quite the odor. You know, she hadn't fully realized everything she needed to from her one-on-one -on -one that we looked at uh, last week with Jesus. She didn't really understand what he meant when he told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Unfazed, Jesus reminds her of her confession of faith and ultimately she consents to letting him reopen the tomb. You know, hopefully in the very near future, we're going to reopen Simi Church to in-person gatherings. Now I hope that there's not an odor when we roll away the stone from the front of our church building. <laughs> and I got to be honest, I have no idea what it's going to look like or, or what adjustments we're going to have to make. And I totally understand that, that it may not be wise for everyone to attend right off the bat. You know, that's one of the reasons why we've been investing so much in our online presence. But let me, like Jesus did with Martha, remind you that meeting together, just like Lazarus being raised from the dead, is for the glory of God. And my prayer is that during this time of isolation, we don't lose faith in the necessity of gathering together to worship God, to grow our faith, and to love our neighbor. Verse 41. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I, knew that you, I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen, a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So in the presence of all the mourners and the two sisters, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Now, I don't have time to read the rest of the story, but I can tell you this, all the people, many of them who witnessed what had happened, became instant believers. And as they went around and told others about what had happened, word eventually got to the temple authorities in Jerusalem who were already pretty upset with Jesus. Now they became really upset about his growing popularity and the threat he posed to their authority. 
and they decided that they wanted to kill him. And by the way, they were going to kill Lazarus too. Lazarus too. So this forced Jesus to go into hiding once again, this time into the wilderness of Ephraim. It's an area just north of Jerusalem and west of Perea. He stayed there for several weeks or maybe a couple of months until six days before Passover, when he finally turned, came out of hiding and turned up in Bethany at the home of Mary, Martha, and the recently risen Lazarus. And to a dinner that very night in his honor, which, during which Mary and Jesus had their nonverbal one-on-one. So what I want to do now is read once again John chapter 12 verses 1 through 6 and this time I want you to pay attention to the interaction between Jesus and Mary. Verse 1. Six days before the Passover Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served and Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. You know, as usual, Martha was serving, Lazarus was relaxing, and Mary was just doting on Jesus. And at some point during the meal, she got up and she poured her most valuable possession on his feet and wiped them dry with her hair. Mary gets a lot. You know, a lot gets made of Mary's innate ability to choose what is best when it comes to Jesus. And deservedly so. But sometimes I think we over-spiritualize her. We characterize her as some sort of saintly, untouchable, angelic figure. But you know, on this occasion, I think she was as human and relatable as anyone can be. I know later on, much was made of her actions as a prelude to Jesus' death, and rightly so. But today, I'm more interested in this moment and her reasons for anointing Jesus' feet at that dinner. You know, Tiger Woods was once asked if he could play a round of golf with anyone in history, who would it be? And without batting an eye, he said, my father. You know, after losing my father a few years ago, I can honestly tell you that if I was that that same question, I would say the exact same thing. And that's why I believe Mary poured out her most valuable possession on Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair because she was given that very opportunity. She wasn't just given another round of golf with her brother, she was given a second lifetime with him. She very well may have been a saintly, untouchable, angelic person who had a knack for choosing what's best when it comes to Jesus, but in this moment, she was just a little sister who was grateful to Jesus for giving her her brother back to her. What are you grateful for today? More importantly, do your actions communicate your gratitude? I would give anything to have my dad back. I know it's not going to happen, but it doesn't mean that there aren't things that I can and should be grateful for. My wife, my family, my friends, my health, the list goes on and on and on. And even though I don't have everything I want, I have more than enough to be grateful. Don't you? One of the best ways you and I can express our gratitude is with our actions. Whether it's running from temptation, repenting when you sin, giving generously, serving without recognition, getting baptized like our newest brother and friend Richard Homoke did yesterday, or simply sitting in the presence of Jesus. All these things and more are ways in which you and I can communicate our gratitude for what Jesus has done for us. 
Let's be like Mary and show our gratitude, not just with words, but with action. You know, at Simi Church, we believe the Bible is the best source of truth in our world today. In it, we learn that Jesus is Lord, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on a cross and rose to life again. And it's in this belief we do everything. We're about to take communion, and it's a time to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All you need is some matzah and some grape juice. I'm going to say a prayer, and then we're going to have a few minutes of music to allow you time to eat the bread, drink the cup in remembrance of Jesus, and to meditate on his death, burial, and resurrection. Let's pray. Father, I am so grateful to you for the sacrifice you gave in giving us your son, Jesus. And I'm so grateful for Jesus and your love for us and your death on the cross and your sacrifice for us. There's no gift greater than that. And I wanna say thank you on behalf of all of us for that today. Be with us now and help us to reflect on our lives and to recommit ourselves to you as we take this communion. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. I know you see me because I feel you. I know you hear me because I seek you. I know you see me because I feel you. I know you hear me because I see Thank you.
I know you see me because I feel you. I know you hear me because I seek you. I know you see me because I able to take communion, please make sure you do so later today. At See Me Church, we want to be your church, your family's church, and your neighbor's church. If you want to know more, connect with the person who told you about us, or feel free to contact me directly. My information is on our website. If you like what we're doing at See Me Church, please consider giving today. We're a member-supported fellowship by people like me. You can give online at seemechurch.org or by texting keyword Church to 77977. I also want to remind all the members of Simi Church to be engaging your worlds for Christ, even in the midst of the shutdown. You can do this by praying for, investing in, and being Jesus to the people you know. And don't forget to invite them to Simi Church. One of the ways you can do this is by sharing the link to our website and to our other social media outlets. And don't forget to tell them to, su to subscribe to our YouTube channel and to like us on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, I'm going to take the next couple of weeks off. And I've invited a few guest speakers to come and speak in the month of June. First up is a man named Kenny Izuchuko. He's the Pepperdine campus minister, and I believe it's going to be a real treat to hear from him next Sunday. God bless. Have a great week. Too long, but now I've got nothing to hold on.